So I'm walking in. I just see all these young professionals wearing white coats. And, you know, they gave me a lot of responsibilities when I was there, preparing some of like the oral syringe, drawing up medications, making Mm -hmm. compounds. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing field. Welcome to Eyes Up, a podcast that champions representation where we see you and give you insight on what the future of your career can look like. I'm your host, Dr. Damaris Raimondi, and we have a guest today. She's a first-generation college student who completed her PharmD degree at the University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. That's right, folks. We have a doctor of pharmacy in the house today, and you know that I have a lot of questions for her. She has had a lot of experience in the pharmaceutical industry and is currently a clinical pharmacist at the Northwestern Medicine Central DuPage Hospital. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Wendy Andrade. Yay! Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing, Damaris. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so happy that you're here. And I'm hoping that for my listeners today, they get the chance to relate to you as much as I have had the opportunity to. And this way, we can also learn directly from you, a pharmacist, on the many different things that we often encounter as prescribers. So speaking about your community, where do you draw your background from and what do you identify as? My parents um, migrated here from Mexico uh, my dad back in the 80s, then my mom and my two older siblings. So, and you know, I, I was born here in uh, Chicago, West Chicago suburbs. And mm-hmm. um, I always say my, my dad actually named me Wendy after the Windy City. So, he did? <laughs> yes. Oh and my gosh. I know. He was, uh, well, I was the so youngest sweet. too. So I think they just ran out of names. Like we have the Maria Guadalupe, we have the Dagoberto, we have the Isabel. And then they're like, oh, um, we had Andrew for a boy, but we got a girl. We ran out of names, Wendy, Wendy City, you know, and a lot of people thought it was, you know, the food restaurant. It was just so it, it's such an interesting way how that came about, that that was something that my parents had not even thought about when they named me. That's so lovely. Thank and you. Thank you. Yeah. With our parents, they shape us so much. And on Eyes Up, we celebrate the hard work that our parents have done. So growing up, what did your parents do? What did they like work in? I think that's why we totally relate and understand and even understood each other without knowing each other. Right, Davaris? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, my mom, she was a housekeeper when she came to the U.S. And my dad, he he worked hundreds of factory jobs. The longest one he had was um, a paper company, not Dunder Mifflin, but, uh, you know, a, a real, I, I just remember he'd come home with like packets of paper and we, you know, they had his brand company name, but we would still use that because we couldn't, you know, why spend more money? Now, you know, my mom, she worked up as a CNA. She, so I always grew up, she was actually a housekeeper at the, at the hospital and that's the hospital that I work at now. And now she's a pharmacy technician. So I always grew up, you know, take your child to work day coming to that hospital and then with my dad you know now he's a machine managing operator uh, for a really good company so they're both I feel 
you know, they're not, they're, they're in what I see in my eyes and my terms, a form of successful um, compared to a lot of their peers and coming here with absolutely nothing. I often share this on Eyes Up too, how my mm-hmm. parents came here undocumented. And when I was younger, we barely talked about that, right? But now that we're getting older and we're reflecting a lot like on our legacy mm-hmm. and our past, they've opened up to me more about that journey and how my mom was telling me how frightened she was and how she wanted to turn back. My dad was in the trunk of the car and he had to like, I don't know if he went alone in the trunk of the car, actually. That's my next question for him. But <laughs> yeah, he definitely sh- ask him, girl. He, I mean, maybe he was skinny. Like, I'm laughing about it. <laughs> he was very skinny back then. But yeah, and so we, we talk about it more and more. And I think one thing that, that the both of them really regret is the fact that they came with like a lot of, you know, keepsakes and memories and clothes that they just never got mm-hmm. to see because they literally ended up with only the clothes on their back and like some really important documents. But were your parents able to share with you anything about their journey? You know, my dad, same way, um, he crossed and he always tells me the story. It's amazing. Under the car seat of an Al Camino. So, you know, an Al Camino has like that big uh, trunk area, but he, he, you know, describes it that, the rod under his like sternum was just burning him. And he mentions the day that he came, you know, once they crossed the border, it was him and another gentleman and then the driver. And he mentions eating corn on the cob. He's like, I just zoomed through the corn and, you know, is so hungry. And um, he actually recently told me, I feel like every time they share the story, something new comes out, something, you know, deeper, something more emotional and, um, you know, it brought him to tears to say, like, I was so hungry. I ate cookies off of the garbage floor, like just get out of a point of desperation. And it it's just so eye opening. And I think that to you and I and many, many of individuals within our community can relate to an experience similar to this, but more importantly, can understand what that passion, why we do what we do, who is our why, why we're so driven you know why why you care so much about your patients and you're willing to take that extra step because you understand them and you're able to put yourself in their shoes at the end of the day I think that just all really 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 motivated me it motivated you so much that you decided to tackle on like a really complex and amazing profession pharmacy (laughs) I love pharmacy I went to St. John's I don't know if you've heard of it but like they have a big pharmacy program so I'm familiar with mm. the curriculum and stuff, but why did you choose pharmacy? I joined this program in high school and it was like um, HOSA, Health Academy of Students Association. And it would essentially prepare students who wanted to go into the healthcare field. And I, and of course I joined late, like I, you know, I've just always been a step behind, right? I didn't have any mentorship or guidance, but I eventually knew that I could figure it out. So I, I joined late in my junior year. However, I was able to get my CNA my senior year of high school. I did like a dual credit. So I would finish school early. Then I'd go to the community college and take more classes. And then, you know, I took the state board for my CNA. I passed. Um, However, prior to that, I was doing clinicals. And at the clinicals, girl, I was like, I, you know, nursing homes, feeding older people, cleaning them, showering them, shaving them. 
And it was just an experience for me that I was like, this is not it. Like, I, I know. I'm oh, passionate. you didn't like it? No. <laughs> I'm here saying, I mean, oh. <laughs> it, it was, it was like, I, it was It was too much, like, maybe. Like, caretaker. Yeah. It, it was, but also like a cultural thing, right? There wasn't a single Hispanic there. And it was mm-hmm. a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's oh, and yeah. screaming at you and it was very unpleasant. You know, I give props yeah. to every registered nurse in the whole wide world because they put up with so much. Mm-hmm. However, I started volunteering at the hospital where I work at now as I believe that was like junior year. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that was that towards my senior year. But I volunteered there. And the minute that, Maris, that I walked in, it was like a movie scene, right? Like, the, the sun starts gleaming. The wind is blowing in my face. Everything is moving slow motion. Like, I should you not. Sorry. That was literally how it happened. So I'm walking in. I just see all these young professionals wearing white coats, you know, with shift change. So there was just so much going on. And, you know, they gave me a lot of responsibilities when I was there, preparing some of like the oral syringe, drawing up medications, making mm-hmm. compounds and I was like, wow, this is an amazing field. So honestly, if it wouldn't have been for that experience, I don't think I would have ever even have known what pharmacy even was. You just have to see it to even be aware of it. And I love that you were able to Mm -hmm. get that exposure for sure. And I think I need to learn a lot more about what pharmacy does because I think I just know like the very tip of the iceberg as you were (laughs) going into it. But I have actually reached out to you due to like a couple of patient situations and I did want to take this moment to kind of vent and to also get a better understanding of how to navigate different pharmacy and insurance situations and these next two scenarios so in my understanding I think they're mainly seen by optometrists but you tell me if I'm wrong and this is like a a, <laughs> a healthcare wide thing since you get everybody so I know at one occasion I had reached out to you because I'm really anti-establishment. I am like, oh, my God, local business all the way down with Amazon. Yeah, like I (laughs) I don't like Amazon (laughs) at all. I'm learning more about socialism. I can't say that I know that much about it, but that's what goes into my whole thinking. So for me, I and being in Queens. There are so many small mom and pop pharmacies. And I love that. I love that Uh that's still around. And I love that patients, patients also tell me, hey, doc, I love my small pharmacy. They always call me, you know, when my things are ready, they, you know, they tell them everything and they seem really helpful. But however, this one time I was prescribing Zydra drops for dry eye Mm -hmm. and this patient has been going to this pharmacy shop place and they take their insurance. But, you know, I like to call usually because I, I maybe <laughs> I missed a PA, right? Maybe I missed a fax or something. So I called a small pharmacy and I'm like, hey, by the way, like, do I need a PA or something? And then the small pharmacy's like, hey, thanks for calling. I'm actually really glad you called because I can't give this person these drops. And I'm like, why not it's not her formulary Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like you take her insurance and it's not her formulary what do you mean I'm like do Mm -hmm. you need a PA (laughs) and then they're like no no it's just like we would lose a lot of money if we filled this for her so Mm -hmm. can you send it somewhere else and I'm like okay and then I have to call this like elderly lady and give her like a different address but I was so confused by that scenario. Um, is yeah. that legal? 
as a pharmacist, legally, we cannot refuse to fill a prescription. So I'm not going to say it was. However, they, you know, they, yeah. they would have the option to charge you that dollar amount. And it is unlikely that the patient would pay that. Sure. So, For sure. so I know even, you know, you, you've asked me in, in the past and are, is like the small pop independently owned pharmacies versus the big chain? Like who, who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? Right. And to answer that question, it's honestly neither one of them. And I know that just confuses you even more. It <laughs> does, because that leads us to our. So in this first scenario, I, I mean, I kind of think that's not legal, especially because if, if this location takes this insurance, mm-hmm. like you're on a contract, no? So so here, let me break it down, I guess, a little bit. With for that, you. Yeah, because so, I'm going to introduce so, a second scenario. But like, yeah, what happens with this first so, one? So specifically with, you know, why I say that, neither one of them are are the good or bad guys it's so there are pharmacy benefit managers they're they're known as pbms and these people came around back in the day because some people were getting meds cheaper some people were paying more and they wanted to equalize the playing field for all of the the buyers for the medications however Mm -hmm. these pbms have zero government i mean there if you literally google it you'll see so much controversy i mean i i did a rotation they have a specific lawyer just going out to advocate to get rid of these pbms and essentially the problem is that pbms now control all the drug pricing and what do they do so they're the middleman between small pop and shop pharmacies and your insurance provider. And they say, all right, you know, mom and pop, you're going to fill, we made you this contract. So you're kind of going to have to take it and you're going to only be insured because all you can afford to is this and these insurances. So here's the contract and every single claim that you submit, we're going to charge you a fee on that. And then you're, you know, you as a small pop and shop and retails are like, okay, so what are my options? And they're like, all right, so we're going to go talk to insurance now, aka you have no option. So now the insurance is told, all right, so you're going to charge them. This is what X amount of, of the pricing is at. You get to reimburse them. However, based on your reimbursement, you're going to have to pay us 70% of that. So the insurances are like, well, in order for me to make money, I have to increase the amount you know, I have to charge this much, like we can't even afford that. So that's where all of this, you know, downhill spiral has has began and started from the PBMs because they, they were started to help make meds cheaper and equal across the board. However, they just kept getting greedier and greedier because there's no government. So we have another person other than insurance because here I'm thinking, oh, insurance is the bad guy. Yeah, so the PBMs are the ones who control all the drug pricing Okay. at the end of the day. So many people don't even know. um, Because look, like the way I, especially after this year, the way I see things, I just want to help my patients. I just want like, you know, I can't take any of this with me. Right. Whatever, like I'm amassing or, you know, like I don't care. And and now that we're not even seeing people, you know, I don't need to buy like a new bag or new shoes or anything <laughs> like that. So for me, I'm just like 100 percent focused on, you know, caring for my patients and making sure that they understand 
everything that goes into their eyes and you know just being completely selfless right and then there's this like what how right and and that's why exactly what we we struggle with right and Mm. and think of I think when I mentioned pharmacy and pharmacist and why you know I left my my current my that my position at that time was just like I was a punching bag and and you get to a point where it's like you know why did I do this I did this to help people be you know educated on their therapies and help prevent drug interactions and counsel on side effects however I I couldn't do that anymore when all of these other things make it so hard to give patient care you know and 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 being you know the insurance comes and argues at us the patients come and argue at us the doctor's yelling at us on one phone and you know we're at fault for everything at the end of the day and a lot of the time our hands are just tied that there's nothing that we can do and it's everything because of what everyone else is paying for right yeah it's it's all just you know us navigating things <laughs> trying to make it better for the patients it's a money and for game us. yeah mm-hmm. speaking about this money game I thought I found a really good tool and it's still actually really helpful for, for the uninsured. What, but what is, what does a pharmacist think? Do you like good RX or is it the bane of your existence? Honestly, I am like pro any coupon, any code that you give me that I can type into this computer and they will get your meds as cheap as possible. We will absolutely do it. Okay. Like we are for, you know, and I think that there's even like movies that show, you know, the pharmacist and they're mad when you give them the coupon. Mm-hmm. Like we, we are, our, our paycheck is the same at the end of the day. Obviously, you know, we're motivated and, and we want the best for the company. But at the end of the day, uh, a company's needs versus my patient, someone's health, someone's life needs is a lot more important to me. And that is why I always encourage, you know, anything that I can do to get meds cheaper. Let's go into our segmento en español. Tú sabes, Wendy, como yo soy. Me encanta cuando mis pacientes me dicen cómo le fue su experiencia. Y a mí me fascina también lo, ta, cuánto ellos pueden captar de la información de que yo les doy y también de lo que les dicen en la farmacia. Usted como farmacéutica, ¿cómo podemos mejorar nosotros esta experiencia con nuestros pacientes? Absolutamente. Yo pienso que ustedes como doctores tienen la responsabilidad de educar a sus pacientes sobre los medicamentos y la razón que digo eso es y que también es la responsabilidad de nosotros. Pero ahorita como estamos en la pandemia de muchos pacientes de, de dar las vacunas, a veces no tenemos el tiempo que les quisiéramos dar para explicarle los eh, efectos secundarios, eh, cómo aplicarlo, en dónde mantener sus medicamentos. Y si tú puedes eh, hacer el tiempo para explicarles eso en la oficina, absolutamente para asegurar que eh, para el buen del paciente, yo siempre recomendaría que el doctor hable con sus pacientes sobre sus medicamentos y explicarles para que el paciente sepa también la, la problema es que nosotros no sabemos, muchas veces sabemos que hay medicamentos, ¿verdad? Pero tú misma sabes que muchos de estos medicamentos tienen, pueden curar muchísimas cosas, no solamente una. Con las gotas son diferentes para los ojos y, y, y estados eh, especiales, pero en, en muchos casos como los antidepresivos, a veces es algo el medicamento puede ayudar para dormir y eso es por la razón que lo está dando el doctor 
y vienen con nosotros y nosotros decimos que es un antidepresivo y dicen, no, no sé. Ah, claro. En, entonces, así es como yo lo veo. Sí, ese es un buen ejemplo. A veces nuestras gotas dicen antialergia y después dicen, pero no tengo alergia y yo tengo que explicar que es para otra cosa. Eso tienes mucha razón con eso, pero sí. Yo creo que cuando los pacientes lo escuchan dos veces repetido el mismo mensaje, se uh -huh. sienten que eh, aprenden más sobre su condición y se sienten ahí más empoderados en poder manejar su salud. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for that segment in Spanish. What words of wisdom would you give to a healthcare worker who is out there right now doing their thing in the middle of this pandemic that we're still in? Don't feel forced to stay in a position that you are unhappy because you feel bad for leaving or you feel guilty. You feel that, you know, at the end of the day, right, we're all healthcare heroes. But what's more important is your mental health. And it's okay to be selfish if you're at a point where you mentally are not taking care of yourself to take care of others. Because, right, if, if, If a plane crashes and lands in the water, you have to put your life jacket on first in order to help others put theirs on. If you don't put yours first, you're just, you know, you can't help as many people. And that that's my biggest advice, right? Don't feel bad. Take care of yourself first. Then that will allow you to continue taking care of others, especially during these times. I love that. That's exactly what Eyes Up is all about. And this is a topic that's been coming up quite frequently, both in my DMs and on the previous episodes, too. And isn't it fascinating? It just it, it feels, at least for me in my head, uh, initially, I thought that that didn't make sense. Like, what do you mean me take first? I have to give, give, give. <laughs> yeah. But it's so interesting how, how it works out that the more that you support yourself, And the more that you make sure that you're in a, in a great environment, that you feel that you're thriving in and that you're challenged in and that where you're helping people, that's where you really are able to help more people. And it, it's just crazy putting yourself first as a healthcare worker. Really, it's a challenge. It's, it's a challenge, <laughs> and, but it brings so much more benefits to the greater community at large. I feel like as Latinx and because we have that special power of speaking in two languages we feel like the only way that we can help is by going right into the trenches and just mm. just constantly like maybe because there are people who you know who we see our parents in, we see our uncles in and then we say okay like I'm at this practice and let me dedicate six seven days a week or there's people who need help and I feel like we get lost in that And we're just giving and giving and giving and thinking like, oh, we need to give more. And it ends up like kind of like a compensating thing, don't you think? Yeah, I, and I actually struggled with that. So I, I remember when I got licensed and my first two weeks I came home and I told my mom, mom, like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Like, I would do this for free. And mm -hmm. really, right, like I had no boundaries to my personal time because I was so focused on helping others. And it, it drove me to really lose sight and control of myself because I was forgetting about myself completely being focused on so many other people. It, once again, it does become confusing because for us, right, like we think like, okay, let me do this all the time. This is amazing. It feels great being able to help someone. But right. then you stop helping yourself at a certain point. Exactly. And, and that's where... 
I, I even struggle to, to this day with my dad, right? My mom, they're constantly trying to help, but sometimes they don't realize the damage that they're doing to themselves. And, you know, that, that's just so, so important is, is that we feel pressured because guess what, Damaris, if, if we don't help them, if we don't walk this patient through, the, the cruel honesty is that nobody else will. And mm-hmm. we, can't, we cannot live with accepting that and instead, we bend backwards for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's our calling for sure, but it's also important for us to to take that step back and, and realize that by caring for ourselves, we can care for those exact patients even exactly. better. And I, 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 same thing, same exact thing with me. When I first started out, I was at this practice that was, you know, seeing patients who looked like me, who looked like my parents and I was just like giving it my all, but at at what cost, you know, like I wasn't getting paid more. Exactly. I wasn't getting benefits. So I wasn't supporting myself and because I wasn't supporting myself, I couldn't even help my parents. So then I'm like, let me help these patients as a, as a different, like twisted way of thinking that this is going to make a big difference. Exactly. Exactly. And think about it, you know, and I think, you know, to this day, we still struggle and many of our listeners might still struggle because they think, okay, well, how long does it actually take you? So I had a patient that would come in every week, she had a stroke, so she had mild memory loss, she couldn't remember what her medications were for. So she'd come in, she'd bring me in, like, I, you know, I started doing my internship there. And she was just so thankful, like, Oh, mija, aquí siempre me gritan cuando pregunto, you know, para que es este medicamento. And I would just straight up, you know, write it on her bottle. And in order for me to solve that problem and make sense of my time there, I have to be strategic, right? Okay, now moving forward, I'll make a note on her profile. We'll include this on her SIG so that she knows what they're for. And it's helping her and not that, you know, I want to sit there and talk to her for an hour. But I, in order for me to help five more people like her, I can't, I don't have five hours in a day to, to, do, to do that. So I need to really strategize in order to exactly how you're saying, right? Help ourselves help more people. I love that you share that. Strategize more <laughs> yeah. and find different ways and have things already printed out. And, you know, even just sit. And I'm finding now, too, that I'm becoming more seasoned in my career. Sitting down with a patient for, like, two solid minutes of, like, uninterrupted, like, where they get to speak and explain to you what you explain to them. That's enough. Yep. It 100%. really is. And they get it. And, you know, we keep moving forward and we keep uh, getting better at our craft and gaining more knowledge and we help more people. What are you working on now? Are you working on a planner? I know you're all about planning and that's what led you to success. But what other endeavors are you pursuing now that you can let our listeners know about? Sure. I So my planner, my written um, physical planner is, is still in the works. I do have a digital one that I actually ended up making for one of my mentees. And it, it kind of, you know, blew up on TikTok and people started buying it. And I was like, okay, maybe this can help others, you know, Um, achieve their goals and that's always my goal uh, because it was so hard for me to get to where I was and in planning I attribute a lot of my success to planning and where can we get that planner at yeah so my website is rxcpco.com r as in robert x as in (laughs) x-ray c as in cat p as in peter c as in cat o as in oscar.com rxcpco.com is my website and under my products you can find the monthly planner there 
And if our listeners have any questions for you because they related to you and they want to learn more. Sure. So you can find me. All my handles are the same. It is D-R and my full name, Wendy Andrade. So D-R Wendy Andrade. And that'll be in the show notes for all of you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anything else you wanted to add? No, Dr. Raymond, they just, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing and, and really your purpose of Eyes Up is to help educate not only our community, but our healthcare experts, right? And, and I appreciate how much and above and beyond you're willing to go for your patients because, you know, that's far and beyond not the norm these days. And I know that your patients appreciate you more than you know, and I myself appreciate you just as much. So thank you so much for having the space. Thank you. I do too. I, I, I love getting to connect with folks like you. And what I want you, my listeners, to take from this episode is that at the end of the day, fulfillment can mean many things, but the best way is by helping out our patients and really seeing and learning more about better ways that we can serve them. Absolutely. Love Mm -hmm. it. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend and leave eyes up a rating and review. These ratings allow more listeners to find these episodes. And that's exactly what I need so that I can keep bringing you this revolutionary content. And for a deeper dive into the topics covered on today's episode, check out my show notes below and follow me on Instagram at eyesuppod. If you're looking for career advice or you just want to chat or have any questions, leave me all your thoughts at eyesuppod at gmail.com. And until next time, say bye, everybody. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye.